1: HN Podcast and it is not Miller and dace it is Miller and how Rob how from HawkeyeNation.com. Nation.com. There is a lot going on and probably a great time for Rob and I to catch up and, and really cover a lot of ground. Rob, we've got you know the Gary Barta press conference yesterday, recruiting, um the big ten media days are coming up and we can talk about the player selection there. Uh I'm I gotta be honest, all those things are, are interesting, but the thing I'm looking probably forward to most talking with you about are your primetime league observations and why don't we just start there since this is all about me edifying myself and making myself happy. Um, you know, you've been over there to to see the action a few times. I'm guessing you've probably seen most of the uh, the Hawkeyes who will be on the team next year play, and I'm just going to go right to it. You know, I've been high on Jack Nungy or Nungi. I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce the last name. So, yeah, I'm really high on him. I can't even pronounce his last name. Um, since I-, I first saw a video of him before he committed, I, th- you know, and then once he committed, I thought this guy is probably a, a-, a recruit li- maybe along the lines of Tyler Cook that I've been most as excited about as anybody I was gotten in a long long time. I just think this guy's ceiling is enormous and I, I don't want to sit here and say he has a higher ceiling than Jared Utoff because I think with Utoff's versatile skill set, he was probably maybe the most versatile skilled Iowa basketball player maybe of my lifetime and he just didn't have that killer instinct. With Nungi, or Nungi, I I think that This kid has a similar skill set. He's 20, 25 pounds heavier at the same age than Jared Utoff was. And you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but he seems to have a little streak to him as well.
0: Yeah, I watched him the other night against the UNI big guy. I forget which one it was. I think it's an incoming guy, but... um you know, they were banging pretty good inside and, and none. G you said he, when Jared got to college and he redshirted his first year at Wisconsin, but I remember him playing in the PTL, um, following, following his senior year of high school. Um, or maybe it was before it was before his senior year of high school. Um, And he was getting pushed around quite a bit. That's not happened with Nungy. I think Jared was more skilled at this stage just in terms of being able to handle the ball and shoot it. Um, I think Jack still, he's able to shoot from the outside. He's got a decent perimeter game. Um, But that's really where he needs to work the most, I think. Um, He's real good around the basket with both hands. Um, He he knows how to, you know, he's got good footwork down there. Um, But I, I think against quicker guys on the perimeter, he'll struggle initially. Um, So he's probably going to have to work inside out initially. And that's fine because that's what Iowa needs right now, um, our inside guys. And I think it's been good this summer to see – what he brings to the table, what what Luca Garza brings to the table, um, both guys that will contribute this year. And I think if there's one guy this summer that's impressed me the most, or maybe who's the most improved guy from last year, it's Ryan Creener. Um, and I and I think that you know he missed last P, the last PTL last summer before his freshman year because he was sick. They thought he may have mono, and he kind of was was still. Not feeling well, and it took him a while to kind of get in shape. And by the end of the year, we kind of saw some of his skill sets, him his, his face-up game, uh, his ability to pass, things like that. And he's built on that, from what I've seen this summer. Um, he's really good with both hands around the basket, good footwork, uh, and can shoot it from three. Um, out of the big guys, out of Garza, Nunji and, and Kreener Krenner's, but to me, clear-cut the best three-point shooter out of that group right now, and that's saying something.
1: Yeah, I want to. I want to be clear before you know people roll their eyes. I, I'm not saying that I think Nungy's going to be Jared Utoff. You hit the nail on the head. Nungy's guard skills are not as advanced as Utoff's were at a similar age, but I, he's a better post player than Utoff was. He's not afraid of contact. Uh, I mean, use when you use the term afraid, I, I don't like using that because I don't want to pile on Jared, but it's just... I, I, I'll just leave it. I'm incredibly excited about his upside. You talk about Kreener and... Yeah, I've, I've I've seen the video cut-ups that you've had. And, you know, as you know, I've been pouring over the statistics probably much more laboriously than I had intended when I took that project on, of keeping a running total of the stats and game-by-game game for the PTL. But, you know, I'm a numbers geek. And, I mean, Kreener, it it it's almost seems to me, and it's difficult to parse this out from the little that I've seen, but you're there and you're around people and talking – I'm not saying that he's got a chip on his shoulder, but he may have a chip on his shoulder because a lot's been written and said about Garza and Nunji and how these guys are just going to come in. And I wrote something, it might have been when you were on vacation, trying to parse up the minutes. There's only 200 minutes a game. And I'm having a hard time you know, figuring out how Fran's going to keep all these guys happy. He's not. And Creener's basically, his play in the PTL is kind of signaling to me like, hey, um, I'm not just going to throw in the towel and, and only get 12 minutes. I'm going to challenge for 20. So good luck taking those minutes from me.
0: Yeah, and I know Ryan. I mean, obviously, I get to know these guys during the recruiting process, and he's always had a chip on his shoulder. He wasn't very heavily recruited, not not as heavily recruited as Garza, for sure, and probably not as much as Nunji either. Um, and he was kind of an afterthought in that class when he came in. When You know, he had Bohannon and Tyler Cook, um, and Ryan was – and Macy Daly as well. Um, and, and Ryan was kind of an afterthought in that group. Um, but I, I, he's – I guess the best word I can use to describe him is efficient. He doesn't really do anything. He, he he's not hunting his shot. He's not. He, he plays within the game. In, in you know within whatever group he's he's with, whether it's the primetime league or Iowa or when I saw him in AAU. He he knows what to do. He's very smart. He he, he fits in. He doesn't try to stand out. Um, and, and I think that's why he he what he does best. His shots are efficient. He doesn't take bad shots. Um, he's a good rebounder and he's a smart player. He reminds me a little bit of Aaron White in that he's seems to he's got a good nose for the ball. He seems to always know where the ball is and, and he's in good position.
1: You talked. You mentioned Luca Garza. Um, I don't think he played in the last primetime league game on Sunday. We record this on Wednesday night, so there'll be uh, another game coming up on Thursday. Um, I I kind of felt that this was a kid that may struggle with the transition to the Big Ten. Not, not I mean, every freshman's going to struggle in some ways, or most every freshman will. I just kind of felt that he was going from a private school league. Even though it was in D.C., it's still a private school league. And putting up huge numbers in that private school league, but not necessarily maybe playing against the type of competition that you might see um, on a night-in, night-out basis, maybe even around Indianapolis or or other places. I kind of felt like his game maybe was going to struggle to extrapolate to the Big Ten for a little bit. I did feel that he was more advanced offensively than Adam Woodbury. Um and i think he's got a better jump shot but from the from the film that you have edited and shown and from everything i'm seeing and and just looking at numbers and again this is primetime league but you know he's averaging um 31 points a game and he's averaging 13 rebounds a game and you know right now i think both of those numbers might lead the lead the primetime league Uh, Do you think my initial analysis of him was pretty far off, and and do you think that his game's going to play well in the Big Ten right away?
0: Yeah, he's really kind of um, continually progressed in his career. He was – Admittedly, um, by him, overweight when he was, you know, a sophomore and junior, and he's really worked hard to get his body in shape and be able to run the floor. Because um, he's not really a gifted athlete. Like Nunji, the the thing that stood out to me about him is he's, he's so quick off the floor. He's up and off the floor to block shots or grab a rebound a lot of times before other guys can even react. Um, and that's a that's a special skill. That's a that natural ability to be able to do that. Unfortunately, I never never had it. Um, but Garz is more of a, a, a you know under the rim type player it's not that he doesn't have an explosiveness but he's not Tyler Cook and he's not nungy. he's not a guy that's just going to explode on the basket um, he's more crafty like a pencil but a bigger version of that um, and, and the thing that sold me on him being able to maybe contribute initially was his AAU program team takeovers a really good program and those were when you know, Crean and Patino and those schools watched him. Um, Mike Bray, they, they saw him in that against that type of competition and they were sold. So that kind of sold me. I was thinking to myself, yeah, if he's selling these guys in the summer circuit, then he's, there's something there. Um, and I, I think for me, John, the thing that's going to, you know, for, for Nungi and for Garza this year, it's going to be on the defensive end. I think they're skilled enough to be able to, to succeed offensively right away. Uh, but we saw with Pencil, but Hannon and Cook last year there were severe Growing pains on the defensive end And that may be the thing that separates Kreener he's been through it already He may be able to play the best Defense and that may get him the minutes But whoever out of that group of Big guys plays the best defense Maybe the, the guy or guys That see themselves on the floor the most
1: You know that that's a good point And I think obviously it's a point that Fran um, Will be ramming home this offseason But after I mean, what was there, five or six true freshmen last year? So those guys all had an object lesson on the importance of defensive intensity and just how far they had to grow. And Iowa went through this four or five years ago, where they were not a very good defensive team and it was also at a point I think then that when you know Woodbury and Clemens and Gasell and those guys were freshmen And they made great strides even the the next year and the next subsequent two to three years. I think that you have last year's group of freshmen, uh, and there were several sophomores as well that were contributors that will be juniors. These are all guys who are likely going to be making a concerted effort on the defensive end this year. And my hope is is that Garza and Nunji will elevate their defensive freshman efforts beyond what might normally have happened because of the way that the collective is going to be focusing on it and they almost get caught up in a riptide riptide effect if you will that they won't be able to help but to bring more intensity to that because the guys paid the price last year you know because Peter Jock is a lone senior and no one's going to say that he was a defensive wizard uh, no. You know, Dom Ewell is the lone junior on the team so you didn't really have a lot of upper class leadership or experienced leadership who'd been through the wars who were good defensive players to point, the, you know, to point the way for the young kids I don't know that that'll be the case next year
0: No, that's a good point I agree with you and I think that they'll know, like last year Cook, Pemsel Bohannon, Fran had no choice he had to play those guys. Whether they played defense or not, he needed to play those guys. With Garza and Nunji, if they don't push it and play into, like with the intensity you're talking about, they're not going to play. And if they know that, th- they got to bring it every night. I think that could, as you say, speed up the learning curve for them.
1: You know, Isaiah Moss, um, he's shooting just under 50% from three thus far in PTL he's averaging nearly 29 points per game um, you know I think that he's shooting a lot um, but what uh, what do you think of his performance thus far
0: yeah he's he seems more confident and I think really that's the thing with him as you talked about earlier with Utah sometimes I think you know Jared doubted himself or he's one of those guys like Shaney was you know they missed the shot or make a mistake and they carry with them another three or four or five trips down the floor um, Isaiah did that last year and I think that even though he was starting if he didn't get off to a good start Fran noticed that he was It was getting into his head and would pull him and then we saw he wasn't playing a lot of minutes um, in those games where he didn't get off to a good start so that's the key for him is that consistency and having the confidence that okay I made a mistake I missed the shot but I got to get back and do it again I got to get back on D um, you know I got to suck it up and I think I'm seeing more of that this summer and it's hard to really tell a whole lot in the primetime league but that'll be the key for him uh, this winter is to be able to play-through mistakes.
1: Ahmad Wagner, statistically, again, um, he's been really consistent in the primetime league. And again, folks, I realize it's the primetime league, okay? But um, if somebody's not playing very good in the primetime league, that's maybe more revealing than someone who plays great in the primetime league. Ahmad Wagner's been really, really steady, and he's – actually doing pretty well from three point range. What have you thought of his progress and play this summer?
0: He still looks a little bit uncomfortable shooting the three, John, kind of like when Aaron White was uncomfortable shooting the three, um but Aaron his senior year if you remember got in that, sh- that on that role when he was making them and that comp- he you know he he built confidence and and um In himself, and that helped him a ton. And I think Ahmad's starting to get to that point, and I think that helps him a whole lot. If he can play a little bit of three. Um, with at his size and with his skill set, I think he, it allows Fran to do even more things uh, with his, you know, with his rotation. And I've always been a Wagner fan. He's one of those guys that doesn't need the ball to be effective. Um, he, he screens well, he passes well, he rebounds well, he defends well. He's very athletic. Um, I, I think there's definitely a place for him in this rotation this year and a key part of the rotation. And I think Fran has a lot of confidence in him. And on top of that. He's probably one of their best vocal leaders uh, and a guy that is, is really good at, at keeping the guys together and, and having everybody moving in the same direction. I know it's cliche and corny, but you need those type of guys, and Ahmad is certainly that.
1: You know, maybe it's not fair to make this comparison, but you know, I, I feel that Iowa is one if not two guards short of being a team that can – legitimately challenged for the Big Ten regular season championship this year. I mean, with with Bridges coming back for Michigan State, they're, they're going to be a really tough out, and Minnesota returns so much. But I like Iowa's collection of player. but when the teams that win titles and the teams that do things in March are teams that are strong in the backcourt. I think Iowa doesn't quite have the numbers yet. Um, What have you thought about the play of Williams and Daly? I mean, based upon the things I've read from you, I think Macy Daly, you know, you mentioned how much Kreener's impressed you. I think Macy Macy Daly seems like he's impressed the heck out of you as well um, as he outplayed Williams.
0: It's close. I think if you could if you could combine those two kids, you'd have a really really good player. But you could probably say that of a lot of guys. Um, you know, she shoots it better. I mean, easily shoots it better. Um, probably a better ball handler. Um, Williams is without question a, a better defensive player. Probably a better rebounder. Um, They both pass it pretty well. I would say Williams is probably a little bit better passer. Um, But I think both guys, John, have have improved since last year. Um, Again, kind of like Isaiah Moss. They just have to have confidence in themselves and and be more aggressive. And I I would say that of Moss, too. They just have to be more aggressive, not aggressive to the point where you're making errors. And I thought Christian the other night, Sunday night, when I watched him play, he played – at the right speed He didn't get too sped up And make foolish mistakes And that's when he's at his best And I would say the same for Macy um, Macy is more I think needs to be more aggressive Out of, out of that group of, of guards Um But it's going to be interesting how he puts that puzzle together, John, because the thing that concerns me the most is I I think with Garza and Nunji and Kreener um, and even Bear and Yule, you have guys that I think can protect the rim, which which Iowa struggled with last year. I think there are enough pieces there now to be able to protect the rim. It's going to come down to being able to stop on-ball defense on the perimeter. And I look at Bohannon, um, I look at Ellingson, Um, You're two good three-point shooters. Um, You do lose Jock, but Moss, Williams, Daly, those guys have to be lockdown defenders on the perimeter. Um, And, and, you know, I wonder, you know, with Bohannon a year in now, if other teams are going to scheme to take advantage of him more on the defensive end. He's really got to advance his game on the defensive end. And I would say the same of Ellingson. Um, Those guys need to at least hold their own when they're on the floor on the defensive
1: end. Well, I guess the good news is, that you and how you started that statement is you've got four or five bodies, and we all know that Iowa has more than enough bodies in the front court that if you do get blown by or beat off the dribble on the perimeter you have people on the inside that can stop penetration or at least plant a seed in the back of the mind of the ball handler, the penetrators, uh, noggin that, you know, I can't get all the way to the rim this year on Iowa. I'm going to have to do something because Nun- Nungie's you know, wingspan and shot blocking ability is impressive. Garza's all nearly seven, seven feet tall. So I, I think that that, you know, I-, I, just remember a game Iowa played at Indiana in Woodbury and Giselle senior year. The Hoosiers were rolling pretty good. Um, I was concerned about their guards penetrating, but I felt good because Woodbury was in there, and lo and behold, Indiana's guards were penetrating. But they had to settle for a lot of 14-foot shots, and Iowa went into Assembly Hall, and they beat them. And I'm hoping that we may see some of that this year, at least a a little better overall defensive lift just because teams can't get to the rim. Maybe Iowa plays more zone because of perimeter uh, penetration concerns.
0: That, that could be a good point, John. You make a good point there. And I think the zone may help them more because I think they struggled a lot in defensive rotations last year. The first guy would get beat off the dribble. Then either the guy that was supposed to help didn't come quick enough or he left his man too quick and it left, you know, it, it opened up uh, another, um, you know, post player. Um, they, they just didn't have continuity in addition to not having good perimeter defense last year. So you, you hope guys like Cook and Pemsel um, and Kreener, the guys that have been through it now on the inside, and Wagner knows what he's doing, and Bear knows what he's doing, and Ewell knows what he's doing, that there's more a better chemistry in terms of defensive rotations. And I think that will definitely help.
1: Yeah. And, and if this is a team that, that does want to run more and press more, especially if they decide they want to press, which they've got the numbers to do it, um, then falling back into a zone defense is probably the thing to do when you're going to press uh, just because you're going to a spot and you're not having to get lost, finding your man. So uh, we shall see. I, I get last guard. I mean, I, I don't want to say I worry about point guard minutes because, frankly, I don't get caught up in, well, you know, got to have a, a backup point guard or a true point guard. Iowa has enough versatility of several players. I mean, Bear could probably play some three for you if you needed him to. Um, Brady Ellingson, though, when, when Peter Jock went down, he played uh, nicely, I thought, last year. Now, granted, I think it was, um, there, there was a, a couple of, easier teams that Iowa played when Ellingson played. Ohio State was one of them. Maybe it was Rutgers or or somebody uh, was the other one. Um, But what do do you think of uh, Ellingson, his game, and his role?
0: Just an incredibly consistent stroke it's his shot looks the same almost every time he shoots um and and, you know even in the ptl they know he can shoot and he's still able to just get enough space to get the shot off um and he's really improved in that area he's always been able to shoot it but getting his shot now um and and you can tell that he's worked a little bit more on on you know when the defense does shade him or push out on him you know Overplays that outside shot. He is able to put the ball on the floor. His handles getting better, um, and he's got a nice pull-up mid-range shot. Shot. I've seen him hit a lot of shots, kind of the elbow jump shots, foul line jump shots, shots in the lane where he's able to get it off quickly. Uh, before people can block it, so again, I think he's going to be an asset offensively. Um, as good as Bohannon is as a three-point shooter, I think Ellingson is probably his equal. He can't, he may not shoot it as deep, but if you're right at the line, I think he's right there with Bohannon. It's for both of those guys. It's going to be on the defensive end and how they match up defensively. But like you said, zone may not be a bad idea. I just have, have been in your backcourt.
1: Yeah, I just keep everything you're saying. I just keep flashing zone goes through my head, but. <laughs> for- Sometimes you got to bite the bullet. Yeah, you do, and uh, I love playing zone as a player because he also. I always thought, okay, I get a break playing zone, but that's <laughs> that's not what you're looking for either. Um, all right, I think we've uh, that's a that was a nice, robust basketball segment. Felt good. I, if you can't tell, I'm incredibly excited about basketball season. Really, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed last season. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And the next three to four years, with what's been going on with Joe weese camp uh his performance at the n b a you know players camp making the all star team patrick Patrick McCaffrey was also at that event uh looks extremely you know his ranking is very high nationally we as is Wees camps i mean these these guys are Both of them are borderline five-star players. You know, in Iowa, again, next year, we'll only lose one player, you know, at least from an eligibility standpoint, in Dom Ewell after this next season. And Wieskamp comes in, and he can play a guard or small forward for you. So it's like, holy cow. I mean, this this could be a start of a pretty fun run.
0: Yeah, and you've got Xavier Foster from Osk- Oskaloosa in the 2020 class, um, the big guy, um, and he's already in most top hundreds uh, in the country for that 2000 class. So, and Iowa sits really well with him. So, you could have boom, 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 three years in a row in state have top hundred kids, and boy, you got you got to like that, and you got to take advantage of it. There's a part of me, John, that's thinking this team is a year away. Yeah, I agree. I don't want to sell it short because I still think it could do some really good things this year Um, because that's just the way college basketball is. There's so much turnover, and even though they're young, they they're still going to be probably one of the more experienced teams just because of attrition uh, and guys leaving for the NBA. They'll still have. I mean, you look at their roster. They they've got a guys a decent amount of guys that have played, you know, have logged a lot of Big Ten minutes already. So I don't want to sell them short. But yeah, I agree with you. I think the the Wee's camps, you know, freshman year and beyond, uh, it, the the bar could be real high.
1: Well, they they are probably are top four in the Big Ten, I want to say, in returning minutes played from the previous season. Um, They're top four returning points, uh, top four returning threes, top four returning blocks. So, yeah, I mean, they may not be long on career experience, but they have real experience. And like I said earlier, I think Michigan State has some... Gap at the top, in my opinion. Uh, I put Minnesota next. I think both of those are top 15 teams. I think Michigan State could potentially uh, be a Final Four caliber contender. Um, Minnesota, I think, returns, gosh, everybody but maybe one player and uh, many of their key players, uh, almost all their key players, maybe the best shot blocker in the country in Lynch, um, who blocked more shots independently than several Big Ten, Ten, Big Ten teams did collectively. Uh, Northwestern returns all but two of their uh, players from last year and, and the vast majority of their very, very key contributors. They lost Lampkin, uh, if memory serves me correctly, but they return a ton. And Macintosh is one of my favorite players that doesn't wear an Iowa uniform. Uh, so they're going to be good. Um, you know, Purdue lost you know Biggie, but I think they're going to have a really good team. But it wouldn't surprise me to see Iowa finish anywhere from 3rd, 4th, 5th, or 6th, and I think a 3rd, 4th, 5th, or 6th finish in next year's Big Ten, which is going to be a better Big Ten on the top end than this last year was, is definitely going to be good enough for an NCAA tournament bid.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I would probably put Michigan State, Minnesota, Northwestern ahead of Iowa right now going into the season. Um, certainly like you said i could see i getting you know if it comes together get into that third spot um but i think four five six in that range that's an ncaa tournament team and then you know you're moving in the you're moving the needle in the right direction totally and, um who knows i mean you once you get into the dance it's all about match matchups so maybe they get a little run going in there as well
1: yeah and good luck to ethan hap being the uh primary focal target of defenses next year Right. I don't think he's going to have exponential growth up there in Wisconsin, but I've doubted Wisconsin before, and I've been wrong every time. So just foul, exactly. No, yeah, every time he touches the ball. Yeah, I mean Dom Mule, There's your role. Go foul, foul, hat five times. You know, thank you. <laughs> um, let move on to recruiting. Um, you know, you were. I mean, you went on vacation and things went crazy. That was uh, pretty insane. Iowa gets. Uh, you know a commitment from a, a tight end in, in Orient, Illinois, near the Quad Cities, get an offensive line commitment from Wisconsin, Jack Plum, who had a Wisconsin offer, which to me was definitely an eyebrow raiser when you get somebody like that from Wisconsin, an offensive lineman. I mean, Iowa has a phenomenal tradition and lineage of, of developing offensive linemen, but Wisconsin is right there with them. Um, and to get to get plum, that was uh, a pretty uh, a pretty good poll you got uh john wagoner who's lurking in his decision maybe lurking out there this summer uh quarterback will levis and by the way you can read about each and every one of these guys on hawkeye nation just by going to hawkeye along the top click on the recruiting link and it takes you to all this page you have today iowa gets a, a commitment from an indiana tight end anthony torres and so uh Talk about that, as the uh, horrible reporters say in today's world.
0: <laughs> yeah, I planned it that when I went away, that these kids would start—you know—the recruit, the commitments would start falling like dominoes. But uh, yeah, I mean. The One of the interesting things for me is that, you know, they already have three kids in that 2019 class. I think if you would have told Kirk that 10 years ago, he would have laughed in your face. That yeah. they have three commitments from kids that are only halfway through their high school career already. Um, but he's got three good ones. Ezra Miller, an in-state kid. Um, at the the Orient tight end, as you talked about. Logan Lee, who had offers from Michigan. I mean, that was a really good pull. Um, and then Tyler Endres from uh, Norwalk. Um, offensive lineman. So good start in that 19 class, and then uh, the one that really I think was a really good boost. And not to take anything away from from Plum, who I think is a great story. His, his grandfather's Fritz Shermer, the longtime NFL assistant. He's got some. His his I think that was his maternal grandfather, and his paternal grandfather also coached at a high level as well. So he plays tight end in high school, but. Uh, Iowa saw him and was like, hey, offensive line, and he agreed. Uh, he, he That's where he wants to be. So um, really good athletic kid. He plays AAU travel team basketball, so a really good athlete as well. Um, Noah Shannon is the kid to me. Um, yeah. Our, our buddy up there in Minneapolis who, you know, pressures these kids into committing on their visits Um, and he gets a lot of them that decommit. That's what happened with Noah. He committed on a visit up there, stayed committed for about two and a half weeks, decommitted, um, and then just committed to Iowa, who was one of his favorites all along. He's just a really good, solid. I saw him at the the opening in Chicago and have watched his film quite a bit. Low center of gravity, plays with great pad level and leverage. Uh, Really, when you think of a prototype Iowa defensive tackle, he fits that mold. I really am excited about his addition, along with Tyler Lindebaum from from uh, Solon um, they missed on, on the Williams kid out of Lincoln but I think they were comfortable with the two guys they got in Shannon and Linderbaum that Williams may have even looked at that and said hey they've already got two let me go and he ended up committing to Wisconsin Um but I, I like those additions a lot um and the tight end that they got today out of indiana who's actually going to uh img academy down in Bradenton, florida for his senior year anthony torres um is a really we've got his film up on the site and i encourage people to watch it um physical kid for high school and, and, and remember when you're watching his tape he's a junior in high school really physical player blocks very well um runs very well shows good hands um He's a kid that had an Indiana offer, um, and uh, really looked more towards Iowa uh, because of what they've done with the tight end, and that's always a good sign. And I think going forward, I think these guys that play this position, uh, and I know talking to Jake Coons about this, and Noah Font, and um, T.J. Hockinson, and those guys that are already in the program, they really see that this tight end position is going to evolve. Now that Brian Ferentz is, at, you know, has the controls um, and, and the group that they're putting together at that position, I think Iowa fans should be excited about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that when when Brian was promoted to the position of offensive coordinator, and and, and these sorts of thoughts went through my head and the head of others prior to that ascension by Ference, you know, we'd been thinking, okay, when's Iowa going to start utilizing their tight ends the way that the New England Patriots? have utilized their tight ends and utilized their tight ends when Brian was there and was the, the tight ends coach and just all of the ways with which the Patriots utilize those players. Well, we hadn't, didn't really see that under Greg Davis and his offensive scheme. And I'm not sitting here predicting that this coming season, all of a sudden Iowa's tight ends are going to make the Patriots blush, but given that they, what they lack for experience uh, at wide receiver, wouldn't be a bad time to start that show and I agree that going forward I really hope we see that Iowa tight end utilization you know get back to being near what it was you know prior to the Greg Davis era and back when Ken O'Keefe was the the play caller but maybe even add a new dimension given Brian's experience and exposure with Bill Belichick.
0: Definitely I think that's the hope um, if you're looking at something to change and, and maybe a, to find some different ways to move the football. And you you look at Noah Fant and TJ Hokinson and Sean Beyer and the potential of Drew Cook at that position, you've got a really good group of big athletes um, that can create mismatches. And that's what football is about. And I think if there was one thing that yep. Greg D- Davis – failed to do it was take advantage of mismatches and and utilizing his best players um you know and, and I think that I think Brian understands that and he's talked about utilizing multiple, times. multiple yes. times and I think that's what we're going to see just because um you you want to throw you know 5 yard Routes to the wide receivers, you know, and that's your game plan. Like Davis, Davis's was, you don't try to, you know, jam that in there if it's not if if you don't have the athletes like you had at Texas to be able to do that. And I think Brian understands and will take advantage of where his mismatches are. At least that's my hope, and and I have some confidence that he'll be able to do that.
1: Yeah, I think Greg Davis's Iowa tenure maybe summed up best course i think best since it's my i thought um square pegs and round holes yeah um and and that's not to say that what davis wanted to do is it uh workable obviously it worked well at texas and he was a national championship offensive coordinator but i was not going to recruit outside players the way that texas did they haven't i don't think they will in my lifetime so but what iowa can recruit is big offensive linemen. and I think the 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 run that they're on with offensive line recruiting the last eighteen months and now into the twenty nineteen season is is one of their best offensive line runs that I can remember. I mean, they're, they're they're loading up on talent, and and they've done a great job of developing the the two and three star kids, but they're loading up on guys that a lot of people want, and. Um, that's pretty exciting. The tight ends, very exciting. If I'm a running back and I see the offensive line and I see the tight ends, uh, I'm getting pretty excited about that. Still, I think receiver is going to be one of those positions they probably struggle uh, to recruit. Um, and, and, you know, to remain to be seen what the offensive is going to look like. And, and before I forget, you know, recruiting. This isn't necessarily somebody that you covered, but you know, Iowa landed a pretty big commitment if you will in uh james butler running back from nevada 1300 yards plus each of the last two seasons over 30 uh, over 3000 yards rushing for his career 608 career carries both of those numbers would be uh in the top four all time in iowa history had he done that at iowa so this is a, a very accomplished running back um one of the most elusive backs in the country Iowa may have one of the best running back tandems in the nation on their hands and that just kind of fell on their lap.
0: Yeah, and behind an experienced offensive line, that's a good starter kit. Yeah, um, if they can find some ways to get the ball down the field uh, in the passing game, because you can, as you said, it's not going to be a mystery that they have Butler and, and Wadley back there. Um, so teams are certainly going to load up uh, to try to take that away. So we'll see if Iowa can take advantage of it. I uh, I did cover Butler's recruitment. He visited here um, when he was coming out of Chicago. Um, Lester Herb recruited him and that was the year before Lester left and went to Nevada and he obviously followed um, Lester to, to Nevada Lester's at Rutgers now um, and, and I think that may have played a little bit into his decision to, to move on from Nevada um, but yeah he's an accomplished runner um, you know the, the Guys that do this stuff for a, lim- a living and and project these guys into the NFL like his chances to do that, um, and he was a guy that I would like coming out of high school. They just ended up taking Wadley and, and uh, Lashawn Daniels instead, um, but um, he's certainly shown his worth uh, at Nevada, and uh, I'll be interested to see it. We talked to, as we were talking about Brian Ferentz. How can he utilize his weapons? I'll be interested to see how he can utilize. Wadley and, and and you know and Butler I get maybe get them on the field at the same time. Try to get innovative and in how to take advantage of two of the more uh, explosive guys on your team.
1: Um, you write a regular series called Stock Report that focuses on some recruiting names um, that either may be nearing a decision or some of the bigger names. Uh, John Wagoner is one of the big maybe the biggest fish out there on iowa's board that uh for 20 the class of 2018 that is yet to decide who may be deciding soon uh what's your latest uh read on on wagoner and his decision time frame
0: yeah his last visit was here um and we did a story on him and um you know from talking to him I think Iowa has an excellent shot, just in terms of what he's looking for in a school. Um, he's looking for that, you know, that family type atmosphere. And I know most schools sell that. You know, we're a family, and it's, but he likes how Iowa goes about doing their business. It's a, you know. Nobody's given anything; they've got to earn it. Um, sometimes, when you get a kid that's this highly recruited, um, they feel entitled. I don't get that sense from Wagner at all. Um, I get the sense that he connected with the Nelsons and and, and Parker Hesse on his visit. He really liked what he heard from those guys about what they do on the defensive line, and he's connected with Coach Morgan, who also recruits the state. Um, so I think Iowa's positioned well. The 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 one kind of elephant in the room, if you will, is Notre Dame. If Notre Dame were to come in that could that could change the the game in a hurry um you know those <laughs> he goes to a Catholic school and and Dowling has certainly sent kids to Notre Dame before um so I think that could make in, things interesting and, and the kids got you know even if you get a commitment from the kid you wonder down the line um you know how how hard an urban my Meyer- pushes or, or Jim Harbaugh we saw last year how they came into Iowa City here and we're trying to woo uh, Oliver Martin that could be the case again so John told me he wants to commit by the end of this month but even if he commits you still got to keep going with that recruitment if you're Iowa but they know that they know that's part of the game now that even though you may have that that, that verbal commitment you got to keep pushing for those guys and It'll be interesting. There's, there's probably, as you said, you, met, you mentioned Will Levis. He's, he's kind of a guy that's, that the quarterback. Hey, can I would, jump in
1: I, on Wagner real quick? Yeah, sure. You, you mentioned Oliver Martin last year. Had Iowa offered Martin prior to his, um, you know, Chicago event that you went to? The was it the the gather opening? Yes. Yeah. The gathering. The <laughs> gathering. Yeah. Yeah. Magic the gathering. Um, had Iowa offered him prior to that? Michigan may not have even had a chance, right?
0: That's a good question. I've heard so many different things. I've not heard a lot from Oliver and his dad on this, but people that talk to them or in the West High community seem to think that if Iowa would have offered in the spring, um, he would have been theirs. But who knows? Um Right. I, I think they did have questions about, you know, how he would be used, and, and you spoke to it earlier. Deservedly so. They have trouble recruiting wide receivers because they want to know how they'll be utilized other than being blockers. Um, they want to see examples of that. And I think they, I think Oliver and his family had questions about that. So, yeah, I think it's certainly there, there's a good chance he would have been a Hawkeye, but, but you never know.
1: Okay. Now, Will Levis, quarterback uh, out of Connecticut. Yeah,
0: I was just going to run down some guys that I think are still on the board. They're up to 11 verbal commitments now. This should be a smaller class, probably in the 18 to 20 range. So they're they're doing really well in terms of of numbers at this point. But Levis is also another guy that wants to commit by the end of uh, by the end of the month, and he's down to Syracuse. I shouldn't say he's down to. He's favoring Syracuse, Florida State, yeah, Florida State, and Iowa at this point. Um, and this will be a will be an interesting litmus test to, to they were on him first they offered him first if he goes with the shiny toy which is Florida State and says okay I'm going to go to the the blue blood program or he sees the value of coming to Iowa um, you know and and them him the way he fits into this system he fits into Iowa system better than he fits in the Florida State system if you ask me um, but it's not easy to turn down a blue blood program like that. So I don't have a, a great feel on him, John, but I think Iowa's right in there. Um, you know, and, uh, to the, I to think the, he's... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I think he's connected with O'Keefe who went out there and watched him throw in
1: the spring. Yeah. And, you know, kind of sneakily right now, Iowa can say, hey, um, gosh, so let's go back. So you had Stansy as a starter. Then Vandenberg as a, Vandenberg as a starter, then Rudock as a starter, then Bethard. So that's the last four Iowa quarterbacks I just named. The last four starters, three of Iowa's last four starting quarterbacks have all been drafted in the NFL draft. And some might say that's a reach. Rudock was a senior at Michigan, but you know what? He was a two-year starter at Iowa, and in recruiting, it's all about sales. Iowa can honestly pitch that 3 of their last 4 starting quarterbacks have been drafted in the NFL including Bethard most recently as a 3rd round draft pick and it, it, playing in a pro style offense at Iowa is going to be your best chance to develop you know a particular skill set unless you're a dual threat quarterback I think Iowa's got something pretty decent to sell there
0: Yeah and he's he's without question a a, a you know a pocket pass or a pro style quarterback he's six six four six five weighs about 210 and 220 pounds he actually for the new jersey opening he had the highest spark score that's the first time that's happened um and that's for people that don't know that's testing that's the 40 uh vertical jump cone drills things like that um he's a really good athlete um and I think that's probably what Florida State sees in him as well. Um, but I, I still think he's a better fit in Iowa system. And um, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll know by the end of this month probably what he's he's going to do. And Iowa put its best foot forward when he came out here um, on his visit, and um, he camped here and got a feel for what the coaches are like. And I don't know. Sometimes it, you, you kind of have to read the tea leaves a little bit. And I, I I actually would make Iowa the favorite for him right now, even though Florida State's in there. Hmm. I think he's got to have Florida State in there because it's Florida State, but I would not be surprised at all if he, he picks Iowa at the end of the day.
1: A couple other guys from your stock report story. Cornerback uh, uh, Julius Brents and uh, DJ Johnson, both of them from Indianapolis high schools. <laughs>
0: Yeah, two corners that Iowa would love to add. Um, DJ Johnson is is favoring Iowa and Notre Dame right now. Um, The interesting connection with him um, is uh, his his, – Anthony Dean is his high school defensive coordinator and secondary coach. Um, He played here. And then also was a member of Iowa's athletic department um, before going to Indianapolis and, and teaching and, and and being a part of uh, the North Central football staff. And so he's DJ's getting a lot from that. And He's visited here twice um, and, and has a really strong connection. To, to Iowa and Julius Brent's is another guy who I think is probably looking Louisville or Iowa. Um, so you you what we the guys we've kinda of gone through in the last few minutes, John, when you look at Wagoner, Levis, DJ Johnson, Julius Brents, you're talking about Iowa being able to beat schools like Florida State, Louisville, Notre Dame, and then, you know, you look at what Wagoner's got in Ohio State, Michigan, no you not Notre Dame yet, but you know, most of the Wisconsin, um that that would be those those if you could add those four guys to your class, you it immediately raises the level of what you've got in this class. And then you look at a guy like Deshaun Bouchel, um, from uh who was from Fort Wayne who moved back to Tennessee. He's another really good athlete. I think they could play him defensive back or wide receiver. Um and and then one guy that I could be an interesting part of this class is Anthony McKinney um, out of Rockford, Illinois, who went to Iowa Western um, to get his grades up. He's an offensive lineman. Um, it would be interesting if they could add him to this class just because they lose so much on the offensive line next year. I know, as you talked about, they've recruited really well, but this kid has offers from Oklahoma. Uh, florida i mean he's one of the best offensive tackles uh in the country for the junior college ranks he's visited here twice um texas Texas a&m may be in the picture with him as well um so again all these guys we're talking about have big time offers so i was they've got a really good foundation to this class but now it's a matter of finishing strong and you know building up from where they are now and and I think they've got a chance with some really good players uh,
1: On Tuesday uh, Gary Barta met with media I think his first general media gathering since the you know, Jane Meyer, Tracy Greasebaum you know, verdict slash settlements that didn't go in Iowa's favor What was your takeaway from, from that from that meeting, was that just Barta getting out there and just getting it over with, taking his whooping uh, and moving on? Uh, what did you make of all that?
0: Yeah, I don't. Um, I think they definitely wanted to get it out of the way before Chicago in a couple of weeks, where he's going to be out there, and they'll be. You know, he, I don't think they wanted to take away from the the Big Ten media day in Chicago with talk about you know, the cases that happened in May. Um, some of my takeaways from that were, um, I, you know, maybe, maybe I was naive, but I was expecting a little bit more contrition from Gary than, than what we got. It was the, basically the message I got from him was the jury got it wrong. And, and basically, other than maybe a few tactical things, everything I did was, was right. And, you know, it, it didn't seem like... You know i almost found it flippant about the the 6.5 million dollars that he talked about it just coming out of reserve fund and we'll just build that back up it was like that wasn't that big of a deal um he i, I get and i get it I, he's trying to downplay that stuff and i get it because it, it's a bad look um but it, it to me it, it didn't answer any of the questions for me of, you know, he didn't talk about what changes were going to be made or any of that. People gave him an opportunity. Um, He he basically said that it's the best... culture that they've had in the departments as he's been there, which, of course, is a is a shot at Greasebaum and, and and Meyer, and that's fine. I mean, he, he took enough shots where he can give one back, um, but it, it really didn't, to me, it, it didn't answer if if there are problems there. Maybe he doesn't think there are problems there, um, what they're going to do moving forward to, to be better in those areas. And the last thing I'll, I'll hit you with is I, I was stunned when he said they hadn't begun the, the review of the department yet after this thing was done in May um, we're, we're in the middle of July and they still haven't begun any type of review of that department yet and that falls on Bruce Harrell too um, you know you, you've got a reputation now nationally you lost a court case you're guilty of discrimination right? and you're just kind of yeah we'll get to it when we get to it I, I thought that was a bad look as well
1: isn't there still a federal gender equity investigation going on yeah, the title nine. He
0: was asked about that. Um, I think they came and they've completed their their investigation, but the, I don't think the you know the report has come back on that yet.
1: Okay. Um, and then uh, I guess lastly, um, Iowa is like a lot of. Hey, the, wait.
0: What did ahead. you think? What did you think of the border thing? I, you probably watched the video.
1: Yeah, I, I think that you know you mentioned lack of contrition. I think that. I did pick up on some of that. To me, my biggest takeaway is this is a guy that's not worried at all about his job because he knows that he has the backing of those who have control over his job. I agree. Um, And a guy who I don't really know of any necessary enemies in the athletic department. I think Gary is widely liked. Uh, I think that Jane Meyer was widely the opposite of liked. Um, and I think that um, I, I don't think he's feeling any heat because I don't think there's any heat there.
0: No, I would agree. yeah, he's got he's got the, the right people on his side and um, that's kind of how it came off yesterday when he, you know somebody asked him if he thought about resigning and he was quick to say no. Not a chance, and he never really felt like his job was in jeopardy, despite a lot of us on the outside thinking that it might be,
1: yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. um I was going to Chicago, and it's almost uh, you know everybody wants to see the, who the players I was going to take uh, to Chicago, and you know almost uh if you want to call it news, Akron Wadley's not going to be one of the three players going to Chicago and He'd probably be one of the more colorful quotes there, but you know, I, I think when you look back on Akram's career, um, maybe he isn't a guy that walked the straightest or narrowest uh, Ference preferred path per se. I mean, he wasn't; he hasn't been as colorful a character as DJK was by any stretch. Um, but you know, I. I would have liked to seen him go to Chicago I think a lot of other people would have too How how did you read his body language When he was asked about that uh, Yesterday
0: I think he was disappointed, John Um, And I talked to his mom On Monday for a feature story I'm working on On Akram And she kind of relayed to me That he was disappointed But it's not something that's going to affect him You know, to the point of him Holding a grudge Or, um, you know carrying it with him i think it's you know i think it's water off the ducks back at this point it's just he's moved on he would love to be there um but it was a tough decision for kirk this year the three guys he's he's bringing are, are also very deserving um i think you could have you know you can include nathan budget in that group as a, as a guy who could have gone or ben neiman who's been a three-year starter you know um so there were other guys that were in that mix as well or Boone Myers or Ike Becker um, you know there there were plenty of other guys to choose from um, and it was a tough decision I'm disappointed but from a personal standpoint because I love it uh, you know I really enjoy talking to Akram um, and he is as you said uh, a little bit more outspoken than, than a lot of guys are and, and I, somebody asked me today on the radio if I felt like that played into Kirk's decision whether or not his you know because last year he talked about um, I forget before what game it was that he kind of revealed to us that he was going he was being used in the slot and they were trying to find ways to get him on the field and I don't think that from what I've heard that went over well uh, that he kind of let out part of uh, uh, strategic uh, information out to to the media and and thus the public Um, but I don't think that's something that kept him from Chicago I think kirk just boiled it down and looked at the you know the group that he had and he he picked the three that he thought were most were most deserving um but i think i think you can certainly put akram in that group and and i think he'd be deserving to go too. And, and maybe some years he would go if there weren't you know three other guys that are were equally as deserving
1: yeah i wonder if you went back in time to like say january 5th and told akram and his mom hey um we're not going to take you to Chicago and we're also going to accept the transfer <laughs> running back that has over 3,000 career yards uh, in July. Uh, you still want to come back for your senior year?
0: <laughs> yeah, it would have been interesting to, to, <laughs> to find out what they're reaction to that would have and that's been, just but,
1: me that's just me I'm, I, I'm putting I'm not trying to put words in anybody's mouth it's just kind of what it pops into my head so
0: I'd also be interested and they won't they, I mean even if I asked them at media day they're not going to tell me but I'd also like to get the reaction of Torin Young and talk t- to yeah. Ken Kenner body about the you know bringing James Butler and those guys were talking all spring about being you know uh, being in a tandem with Wadley and now they're kind of looking from the ground up again
1: yeah, I mean, Tokes could redshirt hypothetically because yeah. uh, he didn't he, he burned it last year. But yeah, that would be uh, that would be another fun question to ask. But the answer you get wouldn't really be a real answer, and so it's not worth asking. So, all right, I think that covers a lot of ground. Anything? Any stones left unturned?
0: No, I think we hit it all extensively.
1: Yeah, very much so. <laughs> very. But this is a uh, fifty-five minute uh, black and gold dripping podcast. So
0: well we've had people ask for us to get together and do a podcast so they can they can buckle up in the car and take a trip and
1: listen to us. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Thanks Rob and thank you for listening to this installment of the HN podcast.